I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome to the final 2016 edition of the Royal Horticultural Society's Gardening Podcast. And what a year it's been. It's been a time of exciting developments in the RHS. We've had the announcement of a fifth RHS garden, Bridgewater near Manchester, a major new RHS flower show at Chatsworth House in Derbyshire, new community projects and inspiring new RHS ambassadors who have joined us to help share the benefits of gardens and gardening. In May, Baroness of Beckenham, Lady Floella Benjamin, became our ambassador for children and young people. She joined Alan Titchmarsh, Mary Berry and Chris Beardshaw, amongst others, as RHS ambassadors. We spoke to her about her passion for plants and the power of horticulture has to transform people's lives through improving health and happiness. When I was a young girl, my mother wanted to go and live in Beckenham in Kent uh, because she was a great gardener. And this particular house that she wanted to buy had a beautiful garden. But when we went to look at the house, to buy the house, they sent the police to arrest us because they said black people don't live in Beckenham in Kent. And my mother said, I am going to buy this house. We are going to live in this house, all my family, because I've got five brothers and sisters and we live there. And she nurtured her garden. She had the most beautiful roses in that garden. And unfortunately, she didn't live to see me become a baroness. And she died... Her and my father both died within a year of each other before um, I became a baroness in the House of Lords. But I went to the cemetery and I said, Mommy, Daddy, you've been living in Beckenham for 40 years and I'm going to claim Beckenham for you. I'm going to call myself Baroness Benjamin of Beckenham. And where she's buried, I go at least every couple of months to make sure that the flowers on her patch looks beautiful because my mother loved gardening. And I think I understood the need and the joy of gardening, to have the gardening world around you through my mother. Because I lived in Trinidad and she was always caring for the plants and the gardens in Trinidad. And she did the same thing in England. If a plant was dying, you take it to my mum and she would bring it alive again. And so I suppose the understanding of the need of gardening came through that. So when I was asked to be an ambassador of the Royal Horticultural Society, I was doing it in honour of my mother, thrilled to be asked to be an ambassador, because what I want to do is to get our people to understand the importance of gardening, the nurturing of gardening, the sense of, of, of feeling together with your world as one. 
because far too often we feel alienated and, and we don't connect with each other. And the way of starting to connect is through gardening, through the beauty of the world that's been created for us, to nurture it, to love it, to work with it. And my role as an ambassador is to do just that, starting with children, children and families, so that when they look at the world that they're living in, the world around them, they can find a way of creating beauty. Because you don't have to have a huge garden. You have a window box. You can have a, a little tub on your window in window sill, just to see how things grow. Gives you a chance to nurture. Gives you a chance to celebrate beauty, the colours, the excitement, the waiting, the anxiety of knowing something whether it's going to happen or not. Anticipation, because far too often. We're in this kind of relentless role, this world that we're living in. The pace is too great. But I want children to slow down and understand that everything doesn't happen just like that. It takes time. You have to understand about looking after things. You have to plant it, wait for it, for the next set process for it to start. Shoots coming up. Then suddenly you see blossoming and if you're growing vegetables especially, ah, you can eat it, something that you've created. Now, for some children, having that kind of stability in life is like, it's non-existence. But if they concentrate on gardening, on planting something, waiting to see the process of how it happens, understanding that, you know, life is, is anything that's worth, worth living for is worth waiting for and that's why I was so thrilled to be asked to be an ambassador and I take on my role so seriously because I know there's a lot of work to be done out there especially in this world that children are being brought up in. I'm Tony Dickerson, one of the team of horticultural advisors based here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. If you've listened before you know that this is a podcast made by people who know and love gardening for people who love gardening. In this special end-of-year edition, we're going to revisit some of our best bits, some of the standout moments of this gardening year from our podcasts, and look forward to what 2017 will bring. Here at Wisley, it's been a time of tremendous and exciting change. Matthew Pottage was appointed curator last year, the youngest garden curator in the Society's history. Among his responsibilities is heading up the multi-million pound improvement programmes for Wisley Gardens, libraries, buildings and visitor amenities, which will transform our flagship site. So I'm Matthew Pottage, I'm the curator of Wisley Garden. I can't believe a year's passed. I mean, I've been curator now just for over a year and there's been lots of exciting things going on. The team have been delivering absolutely loads and loads of things. And when you walk around the garden, you know, I really hope people are starting to see some of the refreshed plantings, new things that have happened. You know, just looking back to 2016, we have things like the new tree carvings in the wild garden. We have new benches in the wild garden, beautiful new benches in there. We have new benches throughout the Arboretum, which we didn't have before. We've put new benches into the wall gardens as well. We've got the lovely box alternative replacement kind of trial stroke display in the wall garden east. So looking at alternative shrubs to box that went in and is establishing really beautifully there. Um, and just other kind of light touch refreshers of uh, we've changed the look of where the AGM borders were, which is the award of garden merit. We've done some changes around that area and refreshed and simplified that. 
And also you'll start to see as you walk around some other, I call it light touch, but it will have quite a big impact, like on the edge of the Pinetum, we're making the riverside accessible to the visitors for the first time ever. Uh, it's a beautiful area of the garden. It was completely hidden by this big overgrown holly hedge. The hollies were actually so tall they were growing into the oak trees and it just looked like a big mass. So we've taken out the hollies or we've stooled them. We'll just keep them small. We'll let them grow back. We want them to be alive because they'll help stabilize the bank, but we're not going to let them grow back to trees. But that's revealed these massive oak trees, which are beautiful. And now we're going to start doing some light touch landscaping on the riverside area. But it's so people can go down there in the summer and have picnics and things. So it'll be kind of like a waterland meadow look. There'll be long grass, mown paths, a few weeping willows, that iconic look of a lovely riverside planting. So that kicked off back in autumn 2016 and will be open to the visitors early summer 17. And then the other thing to look forward to that we're very excited about is our new exotic garden. Now if you were on the Seven Acres area, the Seven Acres lawn by the restaurant in the summer, you may remember uh, the lovely big bed of bananas, cannas, palms, lots of exotics. You may think, oh my goodness, they've taken it away, what have they done? Uh, so that planting is going to be in its own enclosed space. So rather than just be a border, we're kind of really going to max out with wow factor. And the area that was known as the Jubilee Rose Garden, the little rose garden that was just a monoculture of roses, we're waving that goodbye. And that will become the new exotic garden in there. We already have our very big rose garden, the Bose Lion Rose Garden, which is fabulous. We don't need two rose gardens in all honesty. Uh, and you can see a monoculture of roses at other gardens, uh, even some parks and, and other spaces. So we felt they're kind of well represented enough. It doesn't really showcase creative gardening and monoculture of roses, where we're a bit more about creativity. So all that material that was on the seven acres bed has been lifted, has been potted, has been redesigned by the horticulturalist that looks after the area, Alex, who he also has the country garden next door. So you'll go from the country garden through the hedges into the exotic garden. He's designing a central water feature, a better path network, and it will be quite an immersive experience surrounded by this big, lush, jungly planting. So that will be finished for summer. Uh, I don't exactly know when. It will be in its best by you know, late summer when that kind of material is at its peak. So look out for that. It's exciting development. And in 2017, the visitors are now all going to start seeing the building works as in our new development of the front entrance starting to kick off. So straight after Easter, we're looking at uh, the area known as Aberconware House being closed off. It will be hoarded off and that will start to be demolished. Uh, in preparation for the new building, uh, which is very exciting. The library will have a temporary accommodation elsewhere, so the library still will be accessible. But yeah, you'll start to see that really happening on the ground. Curator of the RHS Garden Wisley, Matthew Pottage. You can find more information about the exciting new plans for the development of Wisley on our website. In May, once again, the sun shone on the annual international celebration of the horticultural excellence that is the RHS Chelsea Flower Show. I'm Sue Biggs, Director General of the RHS. I think one of the things I love most about Chelsea Flower Show is how you know you've got the world's best nurserymen, garden designers, but the feeling of camaraderie at the showground is wonderful. Everybody is happy because they're here to talk about horticulture. Because it's the Queen's 90th this year, the two floral arches as you come into the showground are spectacular. And I think one of the most moving things on the showground are the poppies, the over 300,000 poppies on the steps up to the Royal Hospital. But 
Some of the gardens here are spectacular this year, I think, and so much variety. Hello, I'm Rob Bryden. I have been enjoying what I enjoy every year. I keep this day clear and I, I look forward to it and I say, oh, not long now until we go to Chelsea. It's fantastic. Obviously, it's a collection of excellence. So in anything, really, you know, if you're at the epicentre of it, you know, and I would say that this is, then it's such a treat to see excellence upon excellence. It's just a delight. It really is. Oh, I love it. I mean, I, I've, I've been for a few times and I really, really love its exuberance. I love it. The defeat of the impossible is... I suppose that's what gardening's about, isn't it, really? Things grow. And I can't understand why it's got such a fusty image, because I think it's rather cool. I'm uh, Andy Sturgeon, and I'm the, the garden designer of the Telegraph Garden. So the idea of this garden is it's based on massive geological events that shape our planet. And I've got these huge bronze plates that run down the garden, like a mountain range might run down the spine of a country, like the Apennines in Italy or the Pennines in this country. And then below it, I've got this rocky gorge. And everything about this is huge bits of stone. It has a sort of age and solidity about it, which is connected back to this geological idea. But it's also about how, really, how man is a very a sort of tiny, insignificant role in everything that's been going on in our planet. We've only been here for a blink of an eye, whereas things like uh, the stone which is really fossil rich i've got ammonites and things there it just is a good strong reference back to the age of things and then the planting to complement the stone and this geological idea it's really mediterranean climate so very arid i've got lots of stones and rocks and gravel running through the planting and what that does it separates all the plants but space between them and shadows so you can almost appreciate them in their individual forms and a, another element of the planting is because we've sunk the garden down, we've dug out for this stream and pond, it means that you get really long views across the planting. And I really wanted that so that you read all the textures together, like you might in a Pete Rudolph Prairie planting, where you can see all the plants uh, almost in layers. And I've also created quite long vistas within the garden so that you can, uh, you can sort of see almost every plant from any position, if you like. Probably about half these plants are hardy in this country, but half of them aren't. And it's, they're all from the Mediterranean climate, but that might be from California, Mexico, Chile, um, the actual Mediterranean, Western Australia, all these different places. But it means they can actually survive together in this, in this dry soil. And in the heart of the garden, it's more focused on the leaves and the, the, some of the yellows in the leaf colour, uh, but also the silvers and greys and that I've introduced a bit of orange there. As you drift down the garden towards the front of the garden, the oranges get left behind and it becomes more about blues and purples and pinks and a bit of white. So I've, and it also becomes a bit, little bit more dainty uh, and pretty, I suppose, for want of a better word, whereas the planting further down the garden is a little bit more rugged and architectural. If I won Best in Show, that would be, uh, that would be absolutely fantastic. I, I know that my friend Cleve West is a contender, and last time I exhibited here in 2012, uh, it went to the wire between Cleve and I, the judges tell us, and uh, Cleve won. <laughs> and so I feel like this year, 
I should beat Cleve. <laughs> My name's Richard E. Grant, I'm at the Chelsea Flower Show, and the box plants at this stand are going up and down, and they're about to start playing in English Country Garden. It's absolutely amazing, like Disneyland. I've never seen, never seen anything like this at the Chelsea Flower Show. It's completely bonkers. The podcast team at the 2016 RHS Chelsea Flower Show. You can find photos and more information from the show on our website, including lots of information on what's coming up in 2017. It has been a bumper year for events and entertaining activities at all four RHS gardens and our partner gardens. 2017 promises to be even better, with our brand new flower show launching in June at Chatsworth House in Derbyshire. The show will feature bold new designs and innovation. It offers the opportunity for visitors to experience Capability Brand's unforgettable landscapes in the grounds of Chatsworth House, to relax on the banks of the River Derwent and enjoy views of one of the UK's most impressive stately homes. You will find more details of the show and can buy tickets on our website. Here you can also find details of the other events at our four gardens. See rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. Here is a selection of some of the events happening in the next few weeks. Our Christmas light spectaculars continue at Wisley until the 2nd of January and Rosemore until the 7th of January. Both gardens have special late discounts for visitors to the illuminations. If you're visiting Harlow Car over the coming weeks, be sure to stroll off any seasonal excesses in our gorgeous winter walk, which is celebrating its 10th season. Explore the Hyde Hall Estate and take in the sights and sounds of the seasonal woodland with our knowledgeable garden volunteers as they give guided walks every Tuesday in January. One of the highlights of the Chelsea Flower Show was the RHS display designed by Anne-Marie Powell, focusing on the benefits gardens and gardening can bring both for individuals and communities. After the show had finished, the entire garden was transported to Angeltown Estate in London. The RHS had been working closely with residents of the estate to teach them key gardening skills, and in November, a group of residents visited Wisley for the very first time. I'm Lorna. I'm one of the residents that live on Angeltown um, and I was involved in going to the um, Chelsea Flower Show, which was fantastic, blew me away. Um, and now I'm here today again by invitation, which is lovely, to look at the beautiful gardens. I, n- I never even knew this was here, you know, so it's an eye opener for me. Um, I love the country, I love flowers, and I'm just learning. And that's why I'm here today, basically, to see what ideas that I can have to in, in, input into my garden and to input into the whole of Angeltown, really. My name's Simon Garty. Uh, I run an organisation called Progress, and um, we have been facilitating gardening on Angeltown for nearly a year and a half to two years now. Uh, we are encouraging people from the estate to grow fruit and vegetables and also look after the beautiful Chelsea Flower Show garden that we moved from Chelsea early this year and using gardening as a well-being tool, a communication tool and encouraging cultural groups to get more involved with each other. Well, I'm a diploma student here and I'm just starting my second year. My name's Polly Stevens, and um, I'm just working over in Herbaceous at the moment but we rotate around every five weeks around the gardens. Um, and so I got involved with Angel Town when they did the original planting and then we thought it would be nice if they could come over here and learn a bit more about how to look after the garden and then also we ended up going back again to kind of give them a bit of a plan for how to look after the Angel Town area 
Um, yeah, so it's just kind of an ongoing dialogue between us and them, really. So if they need any help with anything, then we can offer it. But mainly it's them looking after the garden and then we just pop down here and there. And then maybe we'll go back um, next year and put some more plants in. Yeah, so we've got all of our kind of soft fruit collections here. Um, going through to our model fruit areas and we've got a vegetable garden as well. Um, in a few years' time, we're actually going to have a brand new kitchen garden up up here on, on top of the hill. So uh, that's really exciting as well. Garden. Yeah, so uh, just a productive growing area. So perfect. vegetable garden, but we'll have fruit in and herbs and all sorts of other things. So everything you can use in the kitchen, really. That sounds perfect. We're going to connect it up to a cafe as well so that, that it's... Uh, it's all fresh. about, you know, if you're going to grow stuff to eat, you might as well eat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds obvious. But oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, watch this space. There'll be lots going on. But, yeah, enjoy your wander around. Help yourself. Thank you have you. my permission. <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. Oh, my gosh. You feel like you're in heaven here. It's just fruit. Okay, I am now going to taste a May Queen apple. Oh, that's lovely. It's very white inside and it's very, very sweet. <laughs> very juicy. Best apple ever. I honestly think it's amazing. The most apple cheese I've seen in my life. I mean, the amount of vegetation that's going on around me is ridiculous. Look, the trees, they've trained the trees to grow in a certain way. I've never seen nothing before in my life like that. You know, um, hi, I'm Joshua Hamaya. I work with Simon Garfi um, for Progress, which is a, it's a volunteer-based company, but we do a lot of gardening and horticulturalist stuff. Vegetables mainly, not really a lot of fruits. We got um, tomatoes, carrots, potatoes. Um, we got herbs so like rosemary, thyme, sage. We have everything because I'm a chef also, I'm qualified chef, so I like cooking you know the food that I've grown because before I would just cook and it's nice but from I'm, I grew the pumpkin or whatever it is I've grown it, I just feel that that is my dish because I made it you know I grew it took the time you know, so I enjoy what I do I mean it does take a while but you see the you see the progress of your own plants and your own vegetables so you know I mean you, you, you could just see your progress I mean, every other week we're harvesting. We've got tomatoes all the time. We just harvest a chard. I mean, the chard just grows whenever, really. So, and spinach, perpetual spinach, and that just grows as much as it, you cut it down and keep growing. The seeds that I collected was from pretty flowers. I mean, stuff that's flowered really nicely. So, I wouldn't mind planting that in Angeltown, even in my garden, because, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, nature just calls to me, you know. I mean, I like, I like working with what comes out of the earth, you know? I feel like I did that. The residents of Angel Town Estate in London at RHS Garden Wisley. And of course, throughout the year, our advice team got together to tackle your seasonal gardening questions and give expert guidance on key monthly jobs in the garden. I'm Lee Hunt. I'm the Principal Horticultural Advisor here at RHS Garden Wisley. Hello, I'm Becky Mealy. I'm an Assistant Advisor and I work here at RHS Wisley. I'm Guy Barter. I'm a Chief Horticultural Advisor. I work here at the Royal Horticultural Society Garden in Surrey. Mr Bright from Middlesex has emailed about his vegetable woes. This year, my New Year's to-do list 
includes growing A, cucumbers, B, Romanesque or space cauliflowers, as they're known in our household. I have been failing to grow cucumbers for four years. What's the secret, please? So with, with cucumbers, it's always the humidity, 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 um, because they need that kind of moisture in the atmosphere to, to keep the flowers ready for pollination really, and for them to actually swell and develop. Um, they, they like it a lot more moisture than tomatoes. So if you're growing it in the same part, part of the greenhouse as your tomatoes, they're not going to do well. Um, so ideally try and make up a, off a section where you probably maybe have a little bit of plastic sheeting down just to keep it moist and then go make sure you, you're damping down midday if it gets a little bit dry um, and then but making sure that you're not over watering the pots because sometimes you can think oh it's wilting because you know the pot's dry it's not it's wilting because it's the it's not got the humidity in the atmosphere. I wonder if um, Mr Bright isn't actually wanting to grow outdoor cucumbers, because he doesn't mention greenhouse here. Um, if that's the case, um, they're relatively easy to grow. Uh, some of the best varieties are called market more. Um, I prefer the uh, the oriental ones. There's one called Slangen and Tokyo Slicer. The seeds are easily sown um, in module trays or little pots in late April, and plants can be put outdoors in early June. And um, they're just generally just left to grow. If you own cloches, that's great. If not, consider some fleece. It'll give them a bit of extra warmth. Fleece is a kind of white fabric that's not knitted. It's just kind of fibres pressed together, made of polypropylene that traps sun's warmth and heat and keeps the wind off and um, makes conditions a little bit better for, for cucumbers. They are a plant that really needs warmer weather than we get here in Britain. They don't need a lot of watering, but um, so watering in dry spells once every 14 days should be fine. They do need fertile soil because they need to grow quite well. So if you can prepare the ground ahead with a bucket of uh, compost or rotted manure to every square metre or square yard, uh, that's good. And when you water them in, thereafter, a little bit of liquid fertiliser um, will uh, help them along a bit. Liquid fertiliser is sold as such in garden centres and uh, any liquid fertiliser will be fine for cucumbers. Um, the thing about cucumbers is that as soon as the fruits go over mature the plant stops producing any more fruit so as soon as the the end of the cucumber is no longer pointed but is rounded gather that cucumber even if you don't need cucumbers um, it's still worth collecting. You can always pickle them or, or make a chutney of them which are excellent uses for cucumbers. The Romanesco cauliflowers are quite a tricky thing to grow um, but the soil in Middlesex is usually very good for them, quite a heavy soil and there uh, you sow the seeds um, in the spring. You're, you're going to expect the Romanesco cauliflowers to start cropping, producing their amazing heads. I can quite see why you call them base cauliflowers because the heads are covered in little minarets or spirals of curds. Uh, they're usually light green for people who haven't seen them and uh, they are very tasty and they've got a, a better texture, stronger texture than ordinary cauliflowers. So if you're going to want them to crop in September, um, you have to cast your mind back. They'll take about three months to form a head so you will need to put a transplant out three months previously. So that would be transplanting in June. It's going to take about six weeks to grow a transplant. So in the middle of April, sow the seeds, uh, 
put out the little seedlings in separate pots. It's best not to grow great numbers, um, five at a time, say, because they all crop together, and go on doing that every three weeks until uh, the end of June, and then you'll get a few cauliflowers at intervals through the autumn. They do need a fair bit of space, um, so plant them out, give them two feet, that's 60 centimetres between the plants, um, in all directions if possible. Give them the same fertiliser treatment as cucumbers, a bucket of compost or rotted manure per square yard or square metre, water them in with some liquid fertiliser, and uh, that's all there is to it. Although cucumbers are completely, well, pretty much completely free of pests and diseases outdoors, Romanesco cauliflowers, like all uh, cabbage family crops, are desperately susceptible to caterpillars. So you will have to go through and pick off the caterpillars and uh, destroy them uh, during the course of the summer and the early autumn. With any luck, I can see no reason why you shouldn't be successful in your in your ambition. Well, that's almost all we have time for in this look back at 2016. If you want to listen or listen again to any of our podcasts, you can find all our previous podcasts archived on iTunes or at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast index. An ideal way to while away the cold, dark winter evenings. You can also hear our award-winning entry to this year's Garden Media Guild's awards. rhs.org.uk forward slash gmg2016. The RHS Gardening Podcast team were absolutely delighted to be awarded the trophy for Radio Broadcast of the Year. The award was for a selection from our podcast for RHS members. So we'll leave you with a clip from that entry, one of our favourite interviews of 2016, with John Massey, a renowned nurseryman and hellebore expert. Hellebores are herbaceous perennials. There's probably about 16 or more species which you can find distributed throughout uh, Central and Southern Europe. Turkey, Russia and on into China and there are two species which can be found scattered throughout northwestern Europe which um, used to be called Viridis and now called Occidentalis and the other species is Fetidus often known as the stinking hellebore. I love hellebores because they tell you springs just round the corner uh, along with the snowdrops and cyclamen and coom they really do uh, start the year off and start cheering you up that ray of sunshine they're probably the most perfect plant to breed with because there's all, all the species love hybridizing with each other um, they're easy to grow from seed which is probably the best method of propagation they're very long-lived and um, i say they they flower for two or three months because the colorful part of the flowers aren't what we'd normally think of as petals are actually sepals. They're like the green part on the back of a rose and this is why they last for so long, apart from flowering at a cooler time of the year. They're excellent plants uh, for the garden. As long as the soil isn't waterlogged, they'll grow in most conditions from a north border that they're also ideal in. Um, But... Generally, in the wild, they grow in deciduous woodland slopes or amongst scrub and rocks in the clearing. So when I plant them, I always try and, A, plant them on a slope, uh, but also plant them in amongst deciduous shrubs. We use things like Ribes white icicle or uh, the Cornus officinalis. And 
in other beds we tend to interplant them with hostas uh, because this uh, covers the foliage over so they love to flower in the sun but in the heat of the summer they love to be overgrown by other uh, taller growing herbaceous plants so even along the front of a herbaceous border they're excellent there and so in full sun at this time of the year but later on as say overgrown by the taller later herbaceous we'll be back with more expert advice gardening features and interviews in 2017 until then, remember you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson, and all the podcast team, goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.